Hello, amazing humans. Welcome back or welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I am your host. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy. And I help spiritual adventurers remember who they are and why they're here so they can up-level with ease. And let's say that again. I help people remember who they are and why they're here so they can up-level with ease. And that does not mean that I don't forget who I am every once in a while. I just found myself in a situation where I completely forgot that I am here to play, that what my soul craves most in this world is play, that creativity comes from play for me, that, that everything, that connection, that expansion, that it all comes from play for me. And I was reminded, thanks to my body, that gave me some niggles and some nudges and some pain and some congestion. I was reminded to come back home to who I am, to come back to play. Now, I am by no means recommending that you all need to play. I have no idea, unless I've done your human design chart, I have absolutely no idea what your soul wants. But my soul wants to play. And this week's guest also enjoys play. He started out his professional career as a professional juggler, which I happen to think is pretty much the coolest thing ever. Cody Burns is an award-winning speaker and a number one best-selling author. His life underwent a major shift in 2013 after a horrific traffic accident left his body burned and scarred. After years of countless surgeries and innumerable physical and emotional hurdles, Cody has since founded his own nonprofit, Burn Foundation, and is on a mission to spread his story of inspiration, hope, and recovery to everyone he meets. Cody has been featured on many TV and radio shows around the world, and his message has encouraged thousands. This guy is fun and funny. His energy is electric. I hope you all enjoy this conversation. And whatever it is you're up to, my friends, please go forth and be awesome and remember who you are. I want you to tell me all about Climb College, please. <laughs> well, I didn't. Okay. So as a little, you know, when there was Ringling Brothers Clown College. Okay. Mm-hmm. We live here in Florida and that is something that was really popular, but it shut down whenever I was like in elementary school. Okay. So I didn't actually go to the clown college. I went to like a clown school for like a couple of weeks and it was actually in Roanoke, Virginia. And so that was a blast. It was a lot of fun, you know, and I came fascinated with being a clown and juggling whenever I was really young. And so all through grade school, I taught myself how to juggle and I started getting paid to do gigs, fair shows, um, you name it. And then in high school, I really progressed in my talents. I was presented with opportunities to go to join the circus, Ringling Brothers, and I kind of said, oh, I, I wanted to go another direction. So I went to ministry school in Rockford, Illinois. Wait, got, wait, yeah. this is like <laughs> yeah, I got a fork in the road. Yeah. Be a clown. Be a clown. Or, or. go to divinity school. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, there was, it was definitely tempting because like there was always that part of me that really wanted to join the circus and had a big draw for it. But. I think also, too, that I should let the listeners know is that whenever I was in elementary school, I went to a kid's camp. And so I seen one of the speakers there. He juggled. 
and he presented a message along with the juggling. And so that really stood out to me where he's not just entertaining individuals, but he's giving them something of value that they can take back with them. And so that really spoke to me. And so it, it allowed me to see my life in a bigger perspective of how, yeah, I can do these things. I can entertain, but I really want to give hope to people. And so I pursued that. And so, you know, during high school, I was getting paid to do these shows and do this stuff, but I was also very active in my church. And so that was a big draw. And so obviously after high school, I was like, you know what, I'm going to hone in on the message part. So I got my credentials and then eventually I became a children's pastor and I was a kid's pastor for about four years. But at the same time of being a kid's pastor, I got to travel the country. I had that freedom. And so I got to do kids camps and all kinds of different things. I did get to do a couple circus events, but I didn't tour with the show. I just kind of like, they flew out for a weekend. I did my act, juggled, signed some autographs, and I go back home and real life kicks in. So that was fun. The, okay, wait, you're, you're making this sound so little. And in my mind, <laughs> so going back to the three to five-year-old me, I'm like, you are a total rock star. <laughs> the circus used to come to Boston on my birthday every year, the Ringling, Ringling Brothers Circus. And so we'd go on my birthday and I loved, I loved the clowns so much. Yeah. I, I told my parents, yeah, I was going to go to clown school. And then, then that, you know, everything evolved and I didn't go. But I think it's pretty amazing. Like, I can't juggle at all. You were a clown. You signed autographs as a clown or as a juggler. That is epic. Oh, thank you. I, I had so much fun doing it. And I, had, and I still have a wild imagination. The, you know, the, being a clown, I, you know, I started, like, that really allowed me to get on the stage to begin. It, it was kind of like a, a way of me becoming less introverted. It got me out there. And I just, I enjoyed it. I mean, the juggling is what really I became known for. And so eventually, people would rather me be a juggler than a clown because obviously you get more money and clowns get such a bad rap nowadays, unfortunately. That's true. My husband does is a little freaked out by clowns. <laughs> so yeah, so you, uh, you understand. Yep. And so, you know, I, I like making people laugh, but I can crack some jokes and juggle and, but yeah, clown school was a lot of fun. I mean, I had a blast. I was 16 the first year, no, 17 the first year and 18 the next year I went, went a couple years in a row and I, Got a lot of friends that worked with shows, Cirque du Soleil, Ringling Brothers, and I just had so much. I was on cloud nine because as a child, that was my dream, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I I had so much fun. I rode unicycles, I walked stilts, and everything you'd expect a clown to do, I got to experiment on. <laughs> so what I'm getting right now is um, one of my biggest values is play, mm. and I'm thinking that we might share that value. Absolutely. Yeah, it enjoy life and do something. That if you're going to do life and if you're going to have a career doing something, do something that you're going to enjoy. You know, life is short. And, you know, as a, as a young man, I was starting to get, I was getting paid pretty good money for doing, you know, birthday parties, fair shows. I was enjoying it. And, uh, you know, even as an adult, you know, I'm, I, my big focus now isn't so much the juggling and the clowning, although I do juggling still, but I, I love what I do. And I do take that time to celebrate and just play and enjoy it. Yeah. That's for me, every, this conversation is play because connecting with other humans, especially other humans who are bright and sparkly like you are, this feels like play for me. 
uh, coaching clients also play. It's like, that, that's kind of how I live my life. If it doesn't feel like play, I'm out. Yeah. Like, nope, I got five minutes for it doesn't feel like play. And then I'm out of there. That's right. Enjoy. And you know what, when you're having fun, the people that you're working with are having fun. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it's, it's a good, good thing all around. It is. Cause when we're, so I, I was, I kind of live by follow the joy. Mm. So when we're following the joy, then we are lit up and people can feel that they just want to be in our energy and they absorb it. They, and they also are filled with joy and light and super shiny and sparkly. We make exactly. the world a better place when we're happy. So true. So true. Cause you know, uh, you, <laughs> this world, you can find all the negative. That's for sure. But you know what? I want to enjoy my time here on earth. So, yeah. you know, you are what you spend uh, time doing and the people that you surround yourself with, you know, you feed off those individuals. And so mm-hmm. if you want to live a positive life, get with those people, find them, hang out with them, spend time with them. And yeah. it, it'll, it'll make a big difference. Yeah. And make conscious choices on that. Like there's, if somebody doesn't make you feel good, because someone drains your energy, you can mm. always say no, thank you. Yeah. And, and don't be afraid to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And don't back down. It's your life. Yes. <laughs> and, and you're here to be sparkly. That's right. Enjoy it. Yeah. So you're traveling around the country now speaking. And are you juggling while you speak? <laughs> I am. I oh, am. Really? Like yeah, the whole time? I, no, no. I'm like, I'll do, I'll break it up. And, you know, I'll throw some jokes in. I have fun when I'm on stage, but I'm also, you know, very serious at the same time. I share value. There's a message I'm delivering. And a lot of that stems from what happened to me in 2013. And, uh, yeah, I didn't know if you wanted me to go ahead and break yeah, go it. Into the, well, uh, all right. First, I have a question. Is right. jungling, is it exhausting? Oh, my gosh. Well, okay. I look at it as really good exercise. Now, granted, there's always, I've got to, you know, I, I need to get in better shape. So I probably need to juggle a little bit more than I do, but it's not exhausting because I, I have so much fun doing it. Uh, I, you know, to me, I don't really need an audience. I can just turn on some music and go at it. I've always been like that and I love it. And, but no, it's not, it's not exhausting. Not at all. Cause I enjoy it. That makes sense. All right. Now I want to hear, I want to hear your story. Tell your story, please. All right. <laughs> so in, in, back in 2013, the beginning of the year, I was the kids pastor traveling the country, doing events. And I also went to uh, Cuba, did mission work, got to teach my clown skills and juggling over there, had a blast doing it. And then of May, 2013, I was uh, involved in a very horrific traffic accident or not really an accident, just a crash, a major crash. And so it was a Friday afternoon, May 31st, 2013. I was at my church office and I had a meeting in Vincent's, Indiana, which is maybe a 30 minute drive from where I was at. So I was at my church office, drove over for lunch and I was meeting at the Vincent's university. They have the Red Skelton theater there. I don't know if you're familiar with Red Skelton. Uh, One of the older comics, Mm-hmm. Yeah, very famous. So as a, as a little boy, I studied the older comics and I still am fascinated by them. 
And so, but he has a, a museum and a theater there, and I was going to be going to perform my juggling and comedy act. And so the meeting went great, and uh, I was on my way back to my church office, and I was stopped at a red light on the highway, Highway 41, and I was rear-ended by a refrigerator box truck. And my entire life, as I knew it, would come to an end. And I actually, I don't remember the wreck. Um, I just remember driving. And then three weeks later, I wake up in a hospital bed to then be told what had happened. And what I am told by police reports, witnesses, first responders, is that I was hit by this box truck. And on impact of the truck hitting my vehicle, my vehicle exploded into flames. And so it, when, the, when the first responders came to the scene, by the looks of the wreck, they already assumed it as a fatality. They'd done call the coroner and everything. And somehow or another, to their amazement, they saw my hand move later on, and they changed their plans. And so it took them a good hour to get me out. And I was in a Dodge Durango to kind of paint a picture. And you couldn't tell it was a Dodge Durango. It was scrunched up like an accordion. My seat was the only seat that was left in that thing. And it was hardly even there. Uh, so they had to get the jaws of life, get the, get the fire out. They put me on a stretcher, then life flighted me to Evansville, Indiana, and then it immediately redirected me to the burn unit in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I was in a coma on full life support for three weeks. I had severe burning injuries, 40% of my body severely burned, burnt down to bone and muscle, had broken vertebrae, you name it. Life drastically changed. And then... After the three weeks, I come to, and my mother and my father are there, and they're saying, you know, Cody was in a really bad traffic accident. And it was very life-altering. So I'll pause there <laughs> if you have anything you want to say, because I could go on. <laughs> well, I want you to... I want you to go on. Just keep going. Okay. All right. So what, how, you're, we've got you awake now. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm, I'm awake there and my mom is there and, you know, they explained to me all this going on and I'm just thinking to myself, I didn't see this coming, you know? And I think how often in life do we encounter devastation and we're just like, we say that to ourselves. I didn't see this coming. And it's in those moments you're just, you have to take a step back and think, oh my gosh, you realize how short life can be. And my mother was there. And one thing she said specifically to me that really stands out is she said, Cody, don't lose sight of your vision. Because my mom knew how important that was to me. You know, I had a vision to travel the world. You know, I was doing the juggling, but I had a message and I wanted to give hope to people. And all through my young years, I was pursuing that. And then when rubber hits the road and you encounter such a devastation, she knew and understood how easy it would have been for me to play the victim. And there's so many people in today's world that are tempted to play the victim and they may have every right. I had every right, but my mom knew by her telling me, don't lose sight of your vision. She knew and understood that there was something better on the other side for her son. And so my journey wasn't easy. I was in the burn unit for two and a half months and I had to go to a rehabilitation center after that being monitored by nurses and doctors 24 seven. I had to relearn to walk, use my hands, you know, the restroom on my own, all the basics. 
And it was very tough. And all through this, you know, my back is healing up as in a back brace for six weeks. Uh, but I went through so many surgeries on my burns and trying to get those recovered. And whenever I was in the hospital, my mother actually rem remembers the surgeons coming to her and telling her that, you know, hey, Cody's hands were burnt pretty deep. We may need to amputate a few of his fingers. And my mom was like, no, do whatever you can to save his fingers. He juggles. And of course, you can imagine the surgeon's face. They're probably like, you're kidding me? He juggles. So they were able to save my fingers, but they don't move like they used to. But I make the most of what I can do. And it's like I tell people about the juggling. I can still juggle. I can't do some of the stuff I used to do, but I make the most of what I can do. And I just kind of rock what I, what, I, what I got, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, but it was uh, nonstop and I had to go after the six weeks, I went to outpatient rehab for another couple years. Uh, I went back to my hometown and just kind of slowly got back into the habit of living life on my own, but it took a while. And so uh, during that time period, I had seen the impact of what my story was doing, my recovery, people were following my story. I come from a small community and obviously being a kid's pastor, well known in the community, Everybody's like, you know, how are you doing? They're always watching me. And so I did step down from being a kid's pastor because my recovery is just so much at the time, although they did want me to come back. And <laughs> I, I still love them and I, I enjoyed it so much, but I knew that it was probably best to kind of go another direction. Although I was getting a lot of opportunities to speak at churches and doors were opening, even not just with kids, but with adults. And so it really expanded my audience. And so I seen people want to hear this, my story. They want to hear a message out of this. And so I had to, you know, recognize that I cannot change what happened to me, but I can change what I do today and make the most of my today. And so I had to really make those life change decisions and put myself into the right mindset. How'd you do that? Well, I think embracing what had happened and recognizing that this is now a part of who I am. And as much as I wanted to go back to that stoplight, you know, and change it, I couldn't. And my scars, you know, with severe burn injuries, I have scars on my body. They're there. And so I have to embrace this fact. So I think that's the first step with anything. Embrace the current reality. Then I had to take control of my reality and gain a fresh perspective and see, uh, the, find the good in my situation. And then at the same time, just be thankful for what I can do and what I have. And because that's, I think that's key. I can get down and out. And I did battle with depression. I had in my moments, most definitely, I'm only human. But through it all, I had to keep reminding myself, be thankful for what you can do, what you got, shift your perspective and get a game plan of, you know, all right, this is how I'm going to get recovered. This is what I want to accomplish and keeping those words, don't lose sight of your vision, keeping that in my mind the entire time. Cause there's something that is so that. awesome that your mom gave you your mantra like day yes, one. She did. She is awesome. I love my mama. <laughs> Way to go mama. <laughs> she is an amazing woman. And you know, and, and right now she's going through her own hurdles and, you know, she's been going through chemo treatments and things and, you know, where I really believe she's going to be fine. She does too. She's staying on it. But just even through that experience, she's just stays so positive and she's just, she is truly amazing. 
Um, I'm so blessed. Yeah, it sounds like, okay, wait. Sounds like a lot. And I just got <laughs> like four different things came into my mind. So let me sort through this. Um, okay, the first thing I want to say is I love that you said embrace the situation. I typically think of like accept it. But I mean, the word embrace literally means like to hug something. Yeah. And that image of you uh, hugging your new reality, hugging, hugging your body in its new state. That's, that's really powerful, Cody. Yeah. And that, and, and that was the beginning of seeing any kind of change. And, you know, I had to learn to fall in love with the scars that I now carry because my scars carry a story and something that will encourage me the rest of my life mm-hmm. that I made it the very thing that tried to kill me. I survived and I'm here and it's proof that I can show off to others that no matter what you've encountered, no matter what has tried to scar you in this life, physical or emotional, you can make it. And also yours, well, not your scars, but your experience. It's so interesting to me. So your mom says, hold on to that vision. Yeah. And your vision is to, you know, to change the world, right? To spread your message to more people. Yeah. And then through your recovery, through your experience, all of these people want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. The universe is so sassy. It was like, <laughs> here you go. Here's the fast track. Yeah. It's, it's just there's going to be some pain. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but we learn through those painful moments. Mm-hmm. And I look at it as a way of like, it's really enhanced my calling in life. And I had to retrain my thought process and think to myself, just that this very well could put me on the path and and that vision that I've always imagined myself doing and a greater level, you know, as in high school, I wanted to reach thousands. Now it's reaching millions. Yeah. It's just growing and it's expanded my audience and given me a whole nother uh, how should I say it? more opportunities that I never would have had if I hadn't gone through this experience. Mm. It sounds like you feel grateful for it. Do you? I, I do at this point. Now that came over time and you know, but right now I will say I'm at the point that I am thankful that I went through this experience because it taught me so much about life and it allowed me to mature in ways that I never would have had. You know, I'm 29. I'll be 30 next year. Uh, and so a lot of, you know, guys my age, they'll never, you know, they, some of the things that they worry about, I think is petty, uh, considering the, you know, how sh- I now realize how short life is, enjoying the moment. However, I don't have all the answers. I'm still learning and growing, but it really has taught me a lot. And it's, mm-hmm. it's taken me to a whole other level in my mind. Yeah. You got the AP class. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what is the message that you want everyone to hear? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I talk a lot about breaking free of yesterday's troubles and keeping the vision in the midst of challenges. You know, don't allow the past to limit you from what could happen today, from receiving the blessings of today. And, you know, I talk a lot about the scars. The scar in itself does not have to be a bad thing. 
a scar does become a bad thing when it limits your mobility in life. I talk about my contracture scars. You know, contracture scars over time, if they're not dealt with properly, they can cause you to lose mobility to move and function. With my hands specifically, they had uh, the scars had contracted so much that I couldn't even hold on to a bottle of water. And so the surgeons had to go in, cut the scar at its root, and allow me to be mobile again. Uh, but a scar release doesn't remove the appearance of a scar. It allows the mobility to move with the scar. And so that's what I want to encourage people to do is that, you know what, you may have scars, but move with them. Mm-hmm. Don't allow them to hold you back. Take the lessons you've learned through those experience, experiences and share them with others. There's value in that. Life, I look at as a training ground. You know, it really is. I mean, I'm 29 now. And someday, whenever I'm 60, God willing, 90, that'd be amazing. But, you know, I want to I learn through life. You're learning. We're constantly going through things. There's highs, there's lows. But learn as much as you can and share those lessons with others. Give value to people. And, you know, that's, that's the thing, too. I look at my life. I'm not living for myself. I'm living for those people around me. And I'm, I've become so legacy-driven through this experience. Look at the big picture. You're not alone in your situation. You're not the only person in the world that is going through trauma and, and hardship. There's so many others. And look, at, look beyond yourself, and you're going to see that life is more fulfilling when you start looking to help others. Yes. Yes. And how did your message evolve from pre-accident, pre-crash, to post-crash? Well you know, because of the scars really coming in, you know, as a young man, you know, I juggling and, you know, he's, he's got a Christian message, but then when you encounter trauma, you know, the message is put to the test Mm -hmm. and you then have to practice what you preach. People are really going to look at how you respond. And, you know, my faith was tested during this experience. And, you know, I speak a lot to corporate to me. I respect anybody for what, you know, whatever they believe. I'm a Christian, proud of it. But at that time, I'm going to tell you, it was, it was tough because you just wonder why did God allow this to happen? And I, I, one of my mentors served in Vietnam. He was severely burned because of some, a sniper shot a hand grenade before he could release it, burn a lot of his body. And so he, I got to talk with him over the phone and meet him a few different times. He shared with me of how a woman said, you know why God allowed this to happen to you? And at the time, it frustrated, frustrated him. He's like, no, I don't know why. And she said, you know, God did not do this to you, but he allowed it to happen because he could trust you with the scars. And that statement changed his entire life. And so I kind of look at now with the message, all right, I've got a message of scars, helping people break free of yesterday's troubles. I'm using that as a, as a, as a way of, as what I believe is God has trusted me with something to share with others, something of value. And, you know, whether they be a Christian or not a Christian, you know, we all go through scarring moments in life. It's just a matter of not allowing those moments to keep us captive. Yeah. And another piece that I'm hearing is not to let your scars be you. Your scars just sound like they're, they're something that you have, something that you experience. You're bringing them with you. Yeah. But there's more to you than just the scars. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and being confident in yourself. I talk a lot about that. You know, 
Cody, uh, speaking third person, Cody Burns, <laughs> <laughs> he is more than just being a burn survivor. No, he's an individual. He's a person that is in count. He's a juggler. He, he's a comedian, a clown, if you want to call it. Uh, but there is more to the big picture. I'm an individual and I'm somebody that wants to make a difference in the world. And, but I have taken these difficult moments and the good moments and I've learned through both. And it's, it's really taught me so much about myself and about life. And it has been a blessing. And I, and so far already at this age, thousands of people, thousands of one thousands of people have already been encouraged and inspired by the message. And to me, that makes it all worthwhile. Backing up to your recovery, you just said Cody Burns is a comedian. How was your humor during that process? <laughs> I think humor is so important. And, you know, they, they say laughter is the best medicine. And there is scientific proof to back that up. And it is so true in my case. You know, my family, we're all very down-to-earth people. We're crazy. You know, I believe God has a sense of humor. And, uh, you know, I talk, you know, Cody Burns, okay? First of all, the name Burns is so ironic. And the burn you <laughs> had a heck of a time with that one. You know, it's spelled B-Y-R-N-S, but it's still pronounced Burns. So you just cannot help but find the irony. It's just You want to laugh about it. Yeah, Cody Funny. Burns. So, Cody Burns, you find jokes. And I'm going to tell you, I went up to the, to the burn unit and they have like support groups with all these other survivors. And, you know, they find the humor in their situation. It helps. I really believe it helps with healing so much. Some people outside the circle may say, oh, that's, that's horrible. I wouldn't joke about that. You know, whenever I'm going to speak somewhere, I show my, my intro video and then I, you know, and obviously it shows the wreck and everything. And I get up there and I'm like, you know what, uh, please, if you can pray for me this morning. I feel like I've been hit by a truck. And, you know, it, it breaks down the barriers. Oh, I'm feeling a little burnout today. I mean, there's, there's so many funny things you can say with it, but I don't know. We, we found so much humor and it helped. It helped a lot. Was your family able to find the humor as well? They were eventually, but I will say they had, they have a whole nother side to their story of their recovery because whenever I was in a coma, there was a lot that happened during those three weeks. Uh, my parents remember the time the surgeons came to them and said, you know, Cody's got a 50-50 chance. We either do surgery and he survives or we do surgery and he dies. And some, I mean, some of the difficult emotions they went through, the bitterness towards uh, the driver of the truck, the individual that hit me, you know, that they dealt with some uh, unforgiveness there. And there's a powerful message of forgiveness too. And, and you know, why I'm on that topic, I'll say, if you need to forgive somebody, forgive them. It's so important because forgiveness is for yourself. I have forgiven the person that has, that was in the truck that day that hit my vehicle. I have never talked to them nor met them. I would love to someday. I'm kind of just praying and trying to fill out the situation. I don't know much about them, uh, but I would love that opportunity to see them face to face. However, in my heart, I have forgiven this person and I had to forgive them in order for me to move on. So my family had to practice that too, but eventually, you know, it, it was just bound to happen with my family. We did find the humor. What does forgiveness feel like? I think forgive, you know, they talk about, you know, it's forgetting. Some people say that now when in my case, 
I can't forget. I now have these scars and every, you know, I'm sharing my story. It's part of the message. So I'll never forget what happened to me. And I think forgiveness, and like in my case, I'm still living a joyful life. I'm moving on in life and I'm not allowing this experience to make me down and depressed. And I think if you're living as a victim, then there's still some unforgiveness in there. And, you know, I, I had that moment, but I think it's, it's a practice we have to do every day that, you know what, I'm going to live today, not as a victim, but, uh, and, and I, one of, some of my friends, they talk about not just as a survivor, but someone who thrives in life, someone that's going to move on. I'm going to make the most of myself. I'm going to help others because there is so much to life. Life is worth living. It is a gift. Today is a gift. Don't allow the past to limit you. And I think it's just that mindset and, and, and in your heart, you know, when you truly forgiven, but I think it has a ripple effect in your life because you're seeing good things happen, positive things and how you're making a good influence on others. Mm. So it's almost like, a you see your own forgiveness reflected. Yes. Like in a mirror, others mm. are the mirror for you. Absolutely. Because yeah, I think you know, if, if, if there's something, and it's scars, scars, uh, they run deep and they may not appear physically, but through our emotions and our everyday life, they can appear. And it's just a matter of how they appear or how are they, are they limiting you and moving you in a negative way or in a positive way? And, you know, those are some ways you can see, and you just kind of have to examine yourself and just like, why am I? mad today? Why am I bitter about the situation? Why do I think about this subject in this way? What is the root of the problem? And sometimes we have to search deep, but when we find it, we need to release ourselves from that so we can move on. Mm -hmm. This might be a weird question, but do, your, do you feel your scars today? Like, do they itch or hurt at all? I have, uh, I've encountered nerve damage. And so, you know, there are some, because I had, I, I didn't know there was such a thing as a fourth degree burn, but they're, they're, they exist. I mean, it's down to bone and muscle. So a lot of my nerves were damaged. And so there are some spots on my body that I'm unable to feel. Uh, it like, it's so weird. Like the sensation is different than on parts that aren't burnt. And so, you know, I, I get tight. I do itch on occasion, but I try to, you know, I have special ointments and things and lotions. I have to be very on top of my skin. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can feel certain parts, but you know, there's like my, my hands and my arms, some spots, I just, I can't feel like I used to. It's, it's, it's very difficult to explain, but yeah, I, I do still. So the origin of that question for me was I have scars that every once in a while, like, random scar will itch and I I always get curious about it and I'm like all right what's up today like why are you itching today what are you trying to remind me of what do you what do I need to go look at and every time I found like a little lesson there yeah I was wondering now, if you experienced the same thing is that uh, physical scars or emotional yeah scars? physical scars yeah yeah Okay. I didn't know if she was tying a metaphor in yeah there. no no okay. I was being literal on that one. Yeah well I, I think you can I, I mean, if it's just a way, it's all how you look at it. You know, um, 
I haven't really seen it in such that way, but I can see where you can take it that direction and see what is it that, um, you know, a way of evaluating yourself. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's powerful. And why not? Yeah. I'm getting a nudge from somewhere. That's right. I'll take you up on it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do. I itch. <laughs> I itch. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of survivors I've talked with. They all encounter the same problems. They itch like crazy. Mm. I am like, uh, you know, Aquaphor, right? The, the mm-hmm. You just bathe in it. I do. Every time I get out of the shower, I am lathering up with that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's uh, greasy and oily, but after an hour or so, it's not so bad. <laughs> Um, and is that likely to be for the rest of your life? Yes. Yeah. Cause, um, you know, with the scars, they don't produce the moisture that they used to. And so it's just on those locations. Like I don't put it, you know, I mean, 40% my leg, uh, my left leg and my right foot, lower back, my arms are the big, those were really the only spots that were heavily damaged. Mm-hmm. And so those scars, I just have to be on top of and yeah. Cause I, I get dried out pretty quick. Yeah. Well, luckily you're in Florida now. That's that right. Probably helps. <laughs> it does. It does. But we was talking about the moisture yeah. in the air and it does make a difference. Yeah. There's a blanket over you all the time. A nice moist blanket. Yes. All summer long. Yeah. But, I, but I tell you the sun though, cause like I, I do have to really watch out for that. And you know, be, before all this happened, I love going to the beach and laying out. Oh my gosh, I had some incredible times. I went to Puerto Rico, Cuba, just laid it out. I loved it. But now it's like, here I am, I'm living in Florida and I can't go out on the ocean and just, you know, soak up the sun. I have to be extremely careful. Mm-hmm. So it has its uh, blessings. You give and take, but the moisture does help. But I stay very on top of my skin. I have to. Yeah. And our skin, we have an interesting relationship with our skin. Like our skin protects us. It is the biggest organ in our body it is we tend to neglect it yeah for the most part we do so what's your uh, this is yeah what's your relationship with your skin like how has that evolved as far as the appearance of it and and or mm. if you've got something to say there then say it otherwise like just what comes up for you? Like, do you feel like it protects you? Like, are you grateful for it? Or are you, I have no idea where you're going, where you're going to go with this. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I was trying to, I'm sorry. Yeah. I just trying to understand the question, but yes. uh, You know, I, I, I appreciate my skin. I think when you see the recovery and how long it took for these grafts to heal, you start appreciating it and you want to do, you do want to take care of it because it was, it was hell (laughs) going through all this and then to, you know, heal up. And so you appreciate the small things. Yeah, I want to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the skin, you know, as far as my health uh, all around in other areas, you know, I'm, I'm trying hard, you know, I, I had a significant amount of weight gain. And so I am, I've got coaches and people so far, I've already lost about 40, 50 pounds. And so I'm, I'm trying to work in that direction as well and just take care of your body. Cause you, you realize it is, it is, extremely important. You only get one. And so, and it's also very fragile when, when life hits. So you do, you learn to appreciate it and take care of yourself. Yeah. And is that something that shifted after the crash? Absolutely. Or after the recovery? Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, because yeah, you just because you you realize that it's a lot a lot of work to get to where I am now physically. You're learning to walk, and you know, when you're younger, I was 23, completely healthy, traveling, doing all this stuff. You don't think about those things, but it makes a difference. So you told us about a lot of trauma, and I'm not going to prejudge your answer to this question because it may not have anything to do with trauma. What's the scariest thing you've ever done? Hmm. Uh, in relation to life or career wise life, which could also be career because career could be part of your life. Yeah. It's a big part. Like, cause I, well, yeah. Cause it all intermingles together of what I do and my purpose. Um, that's a really good question. The scariest thing, I think taking a risk of just recognizing the value that you can give to others. I think recognizing, I think taking that first step because so often maybe I'm just the only one, but we, we sometimes don't feel like we have a message to share. I mean, I, got to watch myself when I say it because I've always believed I had a message to share, but you do have those moments of self doubt and you think, do I really have what it takes to make a difference? Mm-hmm. Especially when you realize the potential and the things of like you re- you recognize that there is a lot of people out there that do want to hear your, your story and your message. And let's say, you know, like, you know, you're getting booked on these stages to speak in front of thousands of people but you have those thoughts of self doubt and do I really have something to deliver? Can I really make a difference in these people's lives? And I think the scariest thing was just taking that step and saying, you know what I do, I do have value. There is something in my story can, can, can do, you know, I know I have a message to deliver and I think writing my book, you know, my first book and I hope to write more, but you know, last year I went on a national press tour traveled the country, had a blast doing it. But it was in a way sharing my story with the world. It was putting my story into writing. And it was scary because you hit some vulnerable moments and you start re-examining yourself. You find the message through it and how you can relate with others. So I think it kind of connects there is, is just the scariest thing was getting back up and, and gaining that cough. I mean, I'm kind of rambling on here, but yeah, I think just recognizing that I have a message to share and overcoming that fear of what other people may say and the self doubt. The image I get as you explain that is of you stepping forward with both feet all the Mm -hmm. way in to your greatest self, your next level self, your greatness, whatever you want to call it. Yes. And, and accepting and recognizing that you do have something you can give to others. And there are going to be doubters no matter what, but you have to surpass the doubters. And because the doubters are few compared to the many that are actually the many, the many of people that are actually saying, you know what, this is, I needed this. You're making a difference. There may be just a few people that say, ah, come on, Cody, get real but they're just a few. How do you deal with that? Like those few people. 
you you really do. Well, I think it's it's. I think it's just wreck. <laughs> There's some people because you don't know the few people what their intentions are. It could be jealousy. It could be maybe they're just you know disappointed with their life, or maybe they really think that it is petty and goofy. But when you see thousands of people that are on board with you and your story and the message you're delivering, I mean, you, you instantly kind of weigh it out and you see that, you know what, no matter what those few say, I'm making a difference. So go on ahead. You can live your life. That's fine. <laughs> but I'm moving in this direction because I already see it's making an impact. Yeah. So it's just not worth it to listen to those few. I love a quote that Brene Brown shares and I can't remember the original person. So apologies, but it's something to the effect of don't worry about the haters. You're not the jackass whisperer. Mm, that's, that's good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because if there are haters, there's also going to be raving fans. That's right. And often the raving fans are more than the haters. Yeah. And so you just you have to brush them off because they could be dealing with their own scars. They probably are. <laughs> it's probably why you trigger them. Yep, that's right. Yeah. And sometimes in triggering somebody, you could actually change their life. And that's, that would be awesome. That's mm -hmm. what it's all about. Mm -hmm. You just kind of have to just love them from a distance yeah. and, you know, keep going and just... I think, you know, over time, the truth will reveal itself. And then again, it may never, but, you know, that's why it's important that you self-examine yourself and uh, just release yourself from the past. Find the scar, the root of the scar. Look at your life and your behaviors, and you'll learn something. Mm. And we love that you just said, love them from a distance. Yeah. And that's something that... I found myself saying sometimes is I love everyone. Some people I don't like. Yeah. And that's <laughs> I, fine. I don't want to hang out with them, but I still love them from that's a distance. And I think that is so important because some people, they, they don't grasp that, <laughs> but you know, for, for your own sake, in order to keep yourself in the right mindset, you kind of have to, yeah, or you, you don't kind of, you just have to, it's a mm -hmm. fact. And you know, it's important. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Love them, but I don't have to spend time with you. I don't have to, you know, be on the phone with you all the time because if they're a negative influence, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm wanting to make an impact to thousands of people. I, I can't afford uh, to listen to your negativity. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're right back where we started. Follow your joy. Yes. Light yourself up. Is there anything we haven't talked about yet? Oh my goodness. I, I don't know. I think we've talked about a lot of stuff. Just All right. Then cool. will you please tell people where they can find you, um, your books, all the things. Yes. Uh, well, I encourage everybody to look at the website. Uh, my website is codyburns.com. And then for this podcast specifically, CodyBurns.com slash find your awesome. And it's Cody Burns, C-O-D-Y-B-Y-R-N-S. And so on there, you'll be able to see all the social media links, my book, if they want to purchase it, it's on Amazon, um, everything. It's all connected to that page. 
Fabulous. And we will put all that in the show notes. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Cody. This has been fun. Thank you. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, kelseyabbott.com, and there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome.